This show is brought to you by Brain First Training Institute, ICF accredited coach certifications and applied neuroscience training. To become a brain-based coach, get certified in applied neuroscience and stay up to date with what's happening in the world of applied neuroscience and coaching, join our Brain First community over at brainfirsttraininginstitute.com. Hey, it's Ramon and welcome to Brain Coach Radio, where we hear from expert coaches, leaders and trainers who are using applied neuroscience to help their clients get life-changing results. We discuss various coaching topics, neuroscience insights, business tips and much more, all to help you succeed. Now, let's get into the episode. No interruptions. Enjoy, my friends. Uh, well, welcome to the show. It's great to see you and great to have you here. Thanks, Ramon. I'm happy to be here. Excited to be here. Excellent. So, uh, yeah, a few things I'd love to talk about, but let's start off with coaching. Mm. How did you get into coaching? Where did this all begin? Okay, I'm going to date myself. Uh, I have been in the coaching realm since 1998 when I went to graduate school for industrial organizational psychology, which is kind of like a birthplace of coaching to some to some degree. Uh So really getting into it from that perspective around leadership development, around training, coaching, hiring, upskilling, like all of those human resource strategies, you know, because the program that I was in for industrial organizational psychology, and for those of you who don't know, there's like a few famous type of, um, organizational psychology people. So uh, fiction-based and reality-based. So one is Adam Grant, who is the author and thought leader. And the other, Brene Brown, while she has a degree in uh, sociology, I believe, social work, she has made a lot of inroads in the organizational development field, which is like much appreciated. And then you have uh, fictional character, Wendy from billions, right? She's like that performance coach (laughs) to acts and now to, um, Mike Prince's character. And she's having her whole transformation this season on the show, which is super fun, but actually industrial organizational psychology was founded by Lily Goldbraith, who is best known in that movie with Steve Martin, cheaper by the dozen. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you right? Cheaper by the dozen. So a lot of like productivity studies and things like that. That's like really kind of the area. And our program was split into two categories. You can do the piece where you go into organizations and corporations from a human resources, organizational development type of a standpoint, or you can go into market research Mm. because that level of psychology is important in terms of like buying behavior and things like that and selling. And so that's where it sort of began. When mm-hmm. did you first start like working with people, seeing clients? Was it straight out of graduate school? Uh, did it take a while to come to the one-on-one transformational type coaching? Like, It was before graduate school, actually. It's how I got okay. my first job. I coached somebody out of their job so I could have it. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you got to tell the story. It's so funny. It's so good. And that sounded like really mean, but it wasn't. So I was fresh out of, so when I was in undergrad, I was going to go for clinical psychology Mm -hmm. and it was 1998 and insurance companies in the U S were really starting to get on psychologists about insurance and things like that. And so it wound up being like the more clinical psychologists that I actually spoke to, the more miserable they were because they were spending all their time arguing with insurance companies. And then the insurance companies were kind of like undercutting them and sending people more to like CSWs and and, and things like that. And so when I was faced with this, it was really a business decision. Am I going to invest a hundred thousand dollars and seven years of my life to get a degree to come out in an underpaying field that's not respected by insurance companies, or am I going to see how I can apply psychology in a different way? And so I took a year off and prior to that, I'd been working for my dad in his business for a long time. And so I had like this business, this love of business. So I'm like, let me just go out and work in the business world and see what happens. And then I'll make my decision. So that year in between, 
I went and I started temping at a company and I was in a temp admin position. And lo and behold, like one of the actual administrators was absolutely miserable. And so I would sit there and I would listen and I would reflect back to her what she was, what I was hearing. And I would say, have you thought about, (laughs) have you considered what would it look like if, and she was like, I'm leaving this pop stand. I'm blowing this pop stand. I'm leaving this job. And so she left and the uh, director of the department was like, Hey, do you want this job? And the reason why she was like, Hey, do you want this job? Was because I was actually coaching her too. She would spend every lunch period in the bathroom crying because she hated her job too. And so as her admin, I would basically like lock the bathroom door, make sure nobody came in and like get her calmed down and be able to get her back to her desk. So I was actually highly valued in that department, not because I was an admin, (laughs) but because I had, I was already in that role of a coach. Yeah. So at that point, had you recognized, hey, this is like, was it, had you made it explicit? Okay, I'm coaching. This is what I'm doing. Or was it, did it kind of just come naturally to you? And then it merged into what then became, because, you know, we're talking about like the late nineties coaching was, I mean, it's probably pre-infancy phase, right? I mean, it's still very, very early days here in the field. It wasn't, there wasn't a lot going around. We're pro- oh, I'm just trying to remember back to the late 90s. Uh, all, all, all that comes to mind is like Tony Robbins cassette tapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it's been around. It, it's been around just like looked different. Right. Yeah. So I think like it was more like maybe spoken about in terms of like management consulting or, you know, before we started to really define the difference between consulting and coaching and, and things like that. And um, I didn't know I was coaching per se, you know, I think, but I think this might've also come from the fact that I w- did have a, a background in clinical psychology. And while I was just an undergraduate, when I was going through that coursework, I was in the honors program. So I was running my own research because mm-hmm. um, I needed to do that to get out of the, to, to graduate as an, even as an undergraduate. So I had some of those skills around asking questions, digging deeper, you know, from an academic research perspective. But I think what it was for me that I have always just innately been really good at, and when you look at it, it is kind of coaching, is creating opportunity mm. um, and, and seeing, seeing possibility and opportunities where others might not see them or being willing to insert <laughs> an opportunity. Have you thought about it this way? You know, can we explore this? And it, that just happened to be something that I was, I was innately good at. I was a terrible student in high school. I didn't get diagnosed with ADHD until I was 44, but had, has, had pretty severe ADHD that really impacted my, my youth, like my teen years specifically. And I barely got into college. I, we have a, I don't know if they have this by you, but we, you know, we have these community colleges and back then the big joke was like, oh, they'll take anybody with a pencil and a pulse. And so I thought this was going to be safe and I applied and they wouldn't take me. My grades were so poor. And I said to my dad, I'm like, this isn't, this is nonsense. Like there's an opportunity for me here. They're missing out big time. I can add value, you know, drive me up to that admissions office and I'm going to get myself in there. And I did. Um, I got them to take me. We negotiated. <laughs> but I think, you know, but that's just really just a conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah. What would need to happen for me to attend in the fall? Yeah. <laughs> I love that question. I've used it so many times in a negotiation. What would have to happen for us to essentially, you know, <laughs> get to this outcome that we that I desire? <laughs> right. But that's what coaching is. We're co-creating you know, an an outcome or co-creating an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Let's fast forward to today. And then I think let's go back and, and fill in some of the gaps because we're talking about, you know, late nineties or in 2022. So we're talking about just over 20 years here. I'm sure a lot has happened Uh in not just field, but in your professional life. 
So who are you working with now? Who do you help now? What, what, what does the, the, the coaching business look like at the moment? Yeah. So we work with female experts who have decided that they want to, I say, earn income independent of an employer. Some of them identify with entrepreneurship. Some of them identify with small business ownership. Some identify with being a consultant. Like it really, you know, that's that I'm not so particular about in, in terms of that. Um, but, you know, these are women who out of necessity have decided that they want to earn income independent of an employer. So I have one part of my coaching practice that is really teaching coaching. Like it's that hybrid. You and I were talking about that a couple of weeks ago, and I really appreciated your perspective on it because it's very much been my journey as well. Mm-hmm. And so there's a group of women and they're, you know, under $500,000 in their business revenue. I don't know what, what people might not realize is that 88% of women, small business owners earn less than a hundred thousand dollars in business revenue. We have a, it's a real problem. Mm. And then I have the uh, part of my business where I work with really like, so I would call them micro businesses, but then I have small businesses. So these are businesses that are maybe 5 million plus. The largest business that I work with is around uh, between 60 and a hundred million in revenue. And I work with these CEOs of these small businesses really in terms of like, like a very high level performance coach, advisory type retainer uh, style that really pulls in all of my expertise that I've had both in coaching, in performance, in human resources, you know, leadership development and, and business and sales, like right into that, into that sweet spot. Mm-hmm. And so I know a lot of our listeners, they're new coaches or they're just getting into coaching for the first time mm-hmm. uh, and they're listening to this and they're, they're thinking about, oh, look, this is a, obviously I'd love to get to a place where my business is thriving. I'm working with the people that I want to work with. I have the freedom, the flexibility that I kind of dreamed about when I first started getting into this, um, particularly when we're, we're uh, I think, in the last maybe three to f- probably five years, um, I keep reminding myself that it's 2022 now, <laughs> maybe five to seven years <clears throat> that uh, with the social media ads and a lot of coaches have been sold this idea that, you know, you create this lead magnet, you put it out there in the world, you attract all your dream clients, you, you know, create this uh, super successful business and then you can go and retire on an island, right? We, we see this sort of thing out there all the time. And and a lot of people are, uh, you know, it's very attractive for them. Oh, I hate my job that I'm in. I really don't like it. I've been told I give good advice. This is a really common thing. I've been told I give good advice. Maybe I should become a coach. I want to help people. <laughs> I want to help people, right? So for coaches who are just getting into this, they're, they're, They've heard some of your journey and they're like, right, I'd love to be able to get to that point. What are some of the, what are some of the key moves, very deliberate moves that you made over the last 20 years that got you to that next level that you said, right, I, I'm, I've identified this, maybe it's a strategy, maybe it's an approach and I got to work and it really accelerated the growth of the business. What, what were some of the key moments for you or key things that you did? Mm-hmm. So I think that I want to break this down into, into three components. And I tend to do this when I, when I teach, I like to use frameworks. Uh, mm. So it's, things aren't prescriptive, but I can think about this in, in, in a framework that I call EMS, energy mindset and strategy. And so when you decide to be a coach, there's a couple of things that I think happen. If you're serious, if you, if you want to be at the top of your coaching game, right. There are lots of coaches. I haven't mm. looked at the recent data on like where they fall in getting paid, but it used to be really low. It used to be like most coaches didn't break 20,000 or something like that. I think it's a higher now. Um, but it was, it would be really low. So if you really want to be a professional coach and take your, your coaching business to a point where it's bringing in multiple six figures, um, or more, you have to be in the energy of coaching. You have to be a coach. 
in integrity, in my opinion, through all aspects of your, of your life, right? Like how do you show up with those coaching competencies, not just when you want to make money, but always like those coaching competencies for me are like values almost. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the energy of no ego all the time. You always have to be watching for that that ego, right? Because you can't be one person. Coaching is such, for me, it's such a deep experience. It's such a deep practice that I can't be one person in front of a client and be somebody completely different. Not in, I just can't, I just can't switch that, that, that well. Right. So for me, it's really that energy piece is like this embodiment. How are you going to embody these practices in these, these competencies with your, children, with your partner, with your family, with your friends. And that doesn't mean you're coaching them, right? Because <laughs> that's, that gets to be a tricky wicket, right? We don't want to coach anybody without permission, but like when you're having conversations, are you asking permission to, to, to say something or to have a specific conversation? Are you in a conversation, um, and trying to prove yourself, right? So we want to be practicing this, I think, in all aspects of our life. And then mindset, like what is the mindset of a coach? And it it could be different for all of us, but like, we want to be in this, what do we believe? So, you know, I think a part of coaching is believing that anything is possible for somebody, Mm. right? It's believing that people show up in the world doing the best that they can with what they have in that moment. And I know that's really hard these days, <laughs> really hard. Um, you know, and, and, and what are these like worldviews that world-class coaches tend to adopt? And then strategy can, I think is a couple of things. First of all, you have to realize there is coaching and there is the business of coaching and you don't coach anybody unless you've earned the business to coach them. And that is so painful when you're someone who loves coaching and like, you're like, I just want to do this thing that I love. And I'm so frustrated that nobody is hiring me and you know, and all those things, but you have to, you have to realize that there is coaching and there is the business of coaching. So there's your craft and then there's creating the opportunities to go and do the, and get paid for the craft. And so like from a very high level, that's how I would kind of look at some of those components. Mm. I love that. The craft and then creating the opportunities. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Because mm-hmm. I think if I if I hear correctly, the first one is about, and you know, we're kind of using the term coach, you know, quote unquote, inverted commas, right? It, it could it could be this this field of helping someone change, let's say, mm-hmm. and we're using the word coach rather than saying. Uh, necessarily, which we've talked about in the podcast before, coaching, the process of coaching, how it's being conceptualized, what it is, what it isn't, everything. We're not being too specific with that. But this whole uh, helping someone change process becomes a part of who we are, mm-hmm. essentially. It's the energy. Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, now I'm going into, yes, I might have the coach hat on when I've ask for permission, we have an agreement, we have, or even a more formal contract. And now I'm in that, in that co-creation space, but it's not like that co-creation space doesn't exist outside of that. As you said, with friends, family, I mean, sometimes I have conversations with people when I'm at the gym, (laughs) and I'll bring something up and I'll ask a question that gets them to think about the situation differently. Like I can't not do that. It's just, Mm -hmm. it becomes a part of who you are. The mindset, talking about possibility, 
potential, someone's potential, and really truly believing that anything is possible and that we can become part of that journey. We're taking on that mindset of becoming part of that journey of helping someone realize more than what they've currently realized to get them into a place where they can see more than what they've seen before. Even if it's just opening up that possibility of, wow, I get to now have a lot more choice than what I thought I did. Hmm. And now the strategy, the craft and the business. Uh, Yeah. I'd love to talk more about, about those two things. So when I've had discussions with coaches in the past over the, the many years, there seem to be a lot of people that fall into, I'm just going to become the best coach I can possibly be and business will follow. I'm going to go to all the courses. I'm going to learn all the techniques. I'm going to become great at you know co-creating and the, and the coaching conversation. And then, of course, people will just line up to see me. Right. You've probably seen a similar kind of thing, I'm sure. Well, that they will come. Build Feel the dreams. Build a dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there's a, um, uh, I, know, I know many coaches who are like, actually, probably a lot more invested in the business side of things. And they like the business and they like the business strategy and they like tinkering with the marketing and figuring out how they can make this whole thing work. Sometimes not even necessarily for the financial side, just because they like the business aspect of that. And then the craft kind of becomes a, a secondary thing. What, what are your thoughts? Can, can you talk more about these two ideas and what you've observed and how you help people with these, these, uh, these two concepts? Sure. So <laughs> it's really interesting. I find most, most coaches struggle with the business of coaching. Hmm. Right. So I just, you know, the internet has an interesting way of normalizing what's not normal and then not normalizing things that are normal. And so if you were to open any kind of app, you'd see all these coaches crushing it right online. And, and I, I don't think that's actually true. So I just want to normalize the fact that most coaches I just have a love of the craft. And I think that they really struggle and sometimes have philosophical challenges with things like sales and marketing because they want to help their helpers. Yeah. They want to help people. They, they just, they've learned this new thing that has most likely changed their life. And they're so excited about it and they just want to go and, and create life-changing, transformative experiences for other people. And then, and this is for really any, honestly, any expert who wants to run a business, they are an expert at their thing, but they are not an expert at running a business. And that's a tough, that could be a tough friction point because running, learning how to make money and keep it going is a steep learning curve. Mm. And actually most of what's being sold in the online space is not helpful. Mm. I'm tempering myself, Ramon. (laughs) I'm I'm in the middle of, I'm in the middle of penning about a thousand word essay on this with data points. Um, It's not helpful and it takes them further away from, from what it is that they, that they actually want. And it creates an even more complicated learning curve. And I know that, um, especially women, because that's who I work with primarily females, they've left a job at a necessity. Um, you know, the childcare is too expensive or hard to find. Um, they are legit, the most competent human in their organization or their department, and they're undervalued, (laughs) underpaid, but dumped loads of work on because they're so competent, right? Just continuing to foster this unpaid labor by women and marginalized groups. Or there's some kind of chronic illness and that these, these corporate environments are just not friendly to that. So when women come and start businesses, coaching or otherwise, they're already exhausted and depleted. And so having to figure out how to, they really just want to, so when they, what they want, the desire, the aspiration, the wish, if we, if you will, 
is to have more time with their family, to have the space to take better care of themselves if they're not feeling well, if they're ill, if they're stressed, if they're tired, and to do the most meaningful work that they can do in the world because they're really passionate about the work that they do and they want to replace their income. Mm. So all this marketing to seven figure stuff is really silly. It's it's not it's not even close to reality. And so it becomes very heavy. And and they're already tired. So that's kind of some of the the real challenges in that respect. And then I think that trained coaches <laughs> certified coaches, um, it, you know, have a, a, a and, and non-certified ethical people will call us like, right. People of ethics, people who have good coaching skill, who care about humans, they look at what's happening in the online space. And they're like, I don't want to do it like that. Yeah. And immediately they get taken out because they're, they can't even, and this happened to me, like I couldn't even, I was so shut down by what I was seeing because it felt so harmful to me. And so the antithesis of coaching. And so it took a while to figure out how to do it in a way that was, that felt ethical, that felt empathetic, that felt good. And the, the funniest part about it is, which is why I actually like working with coaches. They have some of the best sales and marketing skills that they just don't realize. But what happens is they come out of coach training and they're all jargonized. Mm. I can't wait to help people, life-changing transformation, like really like, and that's part of our job, right? Is to pull things out and be in the potential and be in the possibility. But when we're selling, people have to understand concretely tangibly, you and I both know anything can happen on these coaching calls. Mm. And the thing that you think is going to happen, is not actually what's going to happen. It's going to be a thousand times better than what's going to happen. Right. And like, when you start unpacking things, the initial desired outcome is not the outcome you wind up with, right? Like mind blowing stuff, but you, that's not, you can't market that. Right. You have to, you, you have to rein it in. You have to give people more specificity mm. and you want to help everybody. Right. But we can't, we, and like, you want to be inclusive. That's wonderful. But like, we still need to have target, a target market. We have to be really clear about the person who we want to help. We have to understand that person really well. We have to be able to speak to a specific set of outcomes that we can help people get. So it can be frustrating. Mm. Mm. You know. So the, the, the <laughs> next question becomes on our listeners' mind is, so what do we do? <laughs> so I think, you know, the way I present, I have a model, and the way I kind of talk about it and present it is it's my job to help you get paid like the expert that you are. Because the reality is, is that whether you're a coach and companies have internal coaches. I was an internal coach. It was a real rude awakening to have somebody go, to go from having somebody hand me my clients mm. to having to find them on my own. <laughs> I'm like, wait, like, you know, and it was a really rude awakening too, to, to go from working locally where I was well-known and having a degree in industrial organizational psychology. It's one of the rare, more rare psychologies. So when people, when businesses tend to see that on a resume, they're just like, you're hired. Like, they, I don't even need an interview, right? Like, that's how it had been my whole life. So to then come and have to feel like I was having to prove myself mm. to market was like really frustrating. Don't you know how like awesome I am, right? And the results my clients get, and right? Just take a deep breath. So we want to get, women and men to a place where they can pay themselves six figures. Because the reality is, is if any of them went and could go work in a, in a company these days, that's what they'd probably be making. And in order to do that, they need to focus on solving three problems. And these are the three problems that I hear my clients come to me with 
the most. I have no leads, not enough leads, no leads, the wrong leads, like something around no leads. Inconsistent sales. And what the heck do I do with the money? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like I'm making money. I've got people who come to me who are making quite a few hundred thousand dollars, but they have no idea how to utilize that. Right? And so what they want is they want more than enough qualified, highly qualified leads, right? Their best fit client, the person who's going to really value their work and, and be serious and Um, be a joy to work with. They want to have predictable revenue. And let's be honest, in small businesses, it's not necessarily that it's consistent, but because some months will be up and some months won't be, but we can start to predict it based on our behavior and things like that. And then they want consistent cash flow that they do want, right? Because that smooths out some stuff if you don't have that predictable revenue coming in the way you thought. And so those are the three things that they really need to be focused on. And I just want to speak for a second about that lead, the leads part, because this is where people get really, I'm going to talk about the gaps because I have, I have a feeling your folks, if they're in the coaching world realm, they're seeing a lot of ads. I help coaches and consultants, dot, dot, dot. I've actually stopped accepting people as LinkedIn folks. Yeah, if I see another LinkedIn bio, I'm like, we're done. I'm just like, God, geez, come on, man. And And then the message that follows after that. Heard so many stories. So, what I focus on with people, especially if they're just starting out, but at any point for this leads piece, is let's find your invisible leads the people who are already in your orbit, the people who are probably giving you buying signals and you're just not realizing it. We want to create opportunities. We want to find low-lying fruit. We want to be able to convert what's warm before we go throwing any money at all, period, end of story, at cold traffic. I'm going to stop for a sec because I need to do some terms terms and definitions here. Traffic, right? Traffic is all the peoples that are out in the world. That is traffic. They come and they visit your website. They download your podcast. They visit your social media. Marketers love traffic. Marketers speak the love language of traffic. How can they get your downloads up? How can they get your view pages up? How can they get your followers up? But then there becomes this real disconnect because people pay a lot of money for somebody to drive traffic but then they're, and, and they're told this will give you clients, but then I get, but it didn't lead to clients, right? Because um, that's not a marketer's job. So the fact that they're even promising you this is sketch city 101, right? They can drive traffic. There becomes a disconnect around when traffic turns to a lead. Traffic, traffic becomes a lead when you have contact information, when you have email, an email address or a phone number where you can contact the person. And that becomes really confusing. Who's responsible for that? Is it the marketing person that they're going to deliver you leads or is it the salesperson, right? And when you're running your own business, you're both. You're both the marketing person and the salesperson. So you need to understand how to drive traffic, get the email address, and then convert that, start a conversation You don't have a prospect until you have a conversation started. Lead is an email, prospect is a conversation. And then once you have that conversation and they purchase, then they are now a buyer, right? And you've converted that lead to a prospect, to a buyer. And I just want to be clear about that because people get that really confused and it costs them a lot of money. Mm. I I probably just saved you all thousands. Just with that, right? So in the beginning, you don't need traffic. You can create your own traffic. And I'm like really big on unpaid, unpaid growth strategies because I want, I want y'all keeping as much of your money as possible. And it's just not as complicated as everybody makes it out to be. Um, 
that's really how we, that's really how we um, create systems of repression is when we make things to be really complicated and overwhelming. So it doesn't really have to be that complicated. So let's find the people that already, already exist in your orb. Let's learn how to categorize what identifies somebody as warm, what identifies somebody as hot, and let's know how to start a conversation with them that can convert them quickly. If you cannot convert your warm leads, you will never convert your cold leads, right? So then on the sales side, the big gap is everyone's teaching sales tools, but they're not teaching sales process. So this podcast is a sales tool. Email is a sales tool. Um, social media is a sales tool. Webinar is a sales tool. But what is the process? When do you need what tool and why? And what tools do you like to use? Because you might be someone like, I like to write. You know, I don't really love to be performative. So there are certain aspects of social media that just aren't going to work for me, but I can certainly compel people with my words. Mm -hmm. Right. So we don't talk enough about that piece. Everybody's just slapping together tools without any understanding of how they work, why they work. And pretty much everything that they teach online is about passive selling and not proactive selling. It's going to take a long time to convert those leads if you don't do something proactively. Right. And then the money piece, we're just all missing, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in I'll just say this a hundred thousand dollars in revenue does not equate to a hundred thousand dollars in what you take home. Yeah. It's always a rude way. It's a rude awakening for all of us. (laughs) And I always say to coaches, look, even if you're bringing in the hundred grand, what happens when you get sick or mm-hmm. you want a holiday or we go through some sort of economic change yeah. or the interest rates, there's an interest rate rise in the yeah. house that, uh, you know, yeah, that you have a mortgage on, all these sorts of things. And you could simply just go out and get a job and probably earn that sort of money and get all of those benefits. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe we don't have the same sort of security in jobs that we used to, but, it's there's probably an element that particularly if you get government work in i don't know about what it's like uh in the us but certainly in australia you get a government position it's very very hard to get fired so why wouldn't you just get a job and have all the benefits and have all the freedoms and everything else did you not get into business partly because you can have or or scale it to a level where you have some more freedom, some more flexibility, some more opportunities than what you did have in the job. And you also get to do the thing that you love more as Mm -hmm. well. And that requires a lot more than just, you know, every month, oh yeah, I've got eight, 10, 12 grand or whatever it is coming in. And then the next month, and then the next month, like there's got to be something beyond that. Is it being reinvested? In what areas is it being reinvested? What are the short-term, the medium-term, the long-term projects? Someone asked me the other day about visioning. You know, how far out do you create a vision? And they're asking about um, life. And I think about this in terms of business or what I'm going to be doing with my life. I'm like, I go out as far as I possibly can. I think about right up to, you know, the day I'm going to die and then work backwards from that to think about what are the things that I could be doing now? Maybe the skills I need to be building now they're going to help me 10 years from now. Yep. If I want to be, you know, writing books when I'm 70 and 80 and, and just taking on minor projects, then what are some of the things that I need to put in place now to make yes. sure that I'm not having to be the salesperson or the marketing person or having to create the four Instagram posts a day when I'm 60, 70 years of age because I don't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. And so many people think about that. They just think, oh, how can I get the client now? Because, yes. <laughs> well, you know, some of this is that, that we've just turned into like walking marketing messages, right? We've just consumed too much. It's like, it's, it's like, um, matrix level brainwashing, right? That, that we, 
with the best intention, we're trying to figure out how to make this thing work. And we take off to this new land called the internets. And it's, it's the wild west, right? Like there's little regulation. Anyone can say pretty much anything. Um, there's very little accountability and it's just this constant churn of, and, and I, I talk about this when I talk about the online business culture in the sense that it's, it just weaponizes your identity. It conflates you as, as a, as a person and business. And it, it makes the fact that your business may or may not be succeeding about you and your worth as a mm. human. Oh, and there's yes. so Let's... much, they just weaponize the hell out of it. And, and I always say like, internet marketers know just enough about women to be lethally dangerous. Like, they don't understand the, 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 some of the realities and, and the reasons behind female entrepreneurship, but they understand that there's imposter syndrome. They understand that there's low self-worth. They understand that there's low self-confidence and it happens for men too. Um, 100%, right? And then they kind of get sucked in and then you wind up just parroting back things that you've heard because you just don't know. It has nothing to do with anything you're doing wrong. It just has, it's a knowledge gap. Mm. It's a simple knowledge gap. And, you know, I always say like, when in doubt, zoom out. And I went recently, probably two and a half years ago and got certified as a profit first consultant. So when we implement um, revenue, cash flow, I mean, in people's businesses, we're using the profit first system. And, you know, what that really helps people do is, is it gives them those very clear jobs for their dollars. Mm. And it's in, in Mike's book, he talks about Mike McCallowitz is the author of the book profit first. And he talks about taking your business from a cash eating monster to a money-making machine. However, having a small business, owning a micro business, whatever you want to call it, earning income independent of an employer is the greatest tool for wealth creation that you can have, right? So this is like, you're, you, you, what you're talking about, you're like, I'm, and I'm like zoomed out, right? Like I'm, you're reverse engineering this sucker from exit, right? And that's really what I try and help women do is to think about what does financial independence actually look like for you? And let's create the business around that. But what we ultimately want to be doing is taking the profits from your business and investing that into other cash generating assets so that you're not always having to work for your money. Like, and again, the online business culture tells you that certain things are passive income and they are not. There are much more passive forms of income when you then take the profit and start putting it into other income generating um, opportunities because we're obsessed in the States. I don't know how it is in Australia and I don't know what your tax system is like, but you know, one, we're obsessed with hard work and earned income, but also that's the income you're the most taxed on in the U S is your earned income. Everybody wants to know, like, how come Elon Musk doesn't pay as much taxes or Jeff Bezos doesn't pay as much taxes. And it, I mean, like, first of all, we don't know what they do and don't do, but proportionally people are assuming that they don't pay as much taxes. And that's because they are, they, 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 their, their income isn't earned income, right? Like if you earn $40,000 in the U S you are going to be taxed on the $40,000. But if Elon's stock increases by $40,000 and he doesn't cash it out, then he is not taxed on it. So he has earned $40,000 without being taxed and you have earned $40,000 with being taxed. Can we, I just want to go We just really back. went far out there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back and, and really underline what you said a moment ago, which is taking earned income and as a coach and yep. putting it into other cash generating opportunities. Can we just pause for a moment, just underline the hell out of that? Yeah. And I just, I want to clarify because I know, um, again, th this is, this is knowledge that 
a lot of people don't have, right? Mm -hmm. So somebody might be listening to this and be like, I don't know what she just said. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. Like it makes a lot of sense why you wouldn't know that, right? This is, this is information that has typically been very guarded, again, weaponized, right? Made complex intentionally to, to not allow for positive sum economic exchanges. Hmm. And so what I mean by taking your profit, your earned income, the income you work for, the income you probably work pretty hard for, to be honest, hmm. um, and take that and put that into other income generating assets. So I want you to think about, you know, putting that into some kind of retirement account. Like if you're in the States, it's a 401k, Canadians have RSPs. I'm sure Australians have your version of, of such. Um, you can put it into stocks. You can put it into dividends. You can put it into real estate. You can put it into buying a business that somebody else can run. Like maybe it's a super just easy, boring type of a business or, um, you know, we are currently looking at laundromats because they can be, they're pretty set up to run as absentee owner kind of a thing. So where are you putting your money so it can continue to grow without you having to work for it? The IRS, that's our, you know, the United States Tax Bureau, um, says that wealthy people have seven revenue state, seven revenue streams. Now, what this does not mean, because I this is how this gets translated, is like I have a one-on-one offer, and I have a course, and I have an info product, and I have no, no, no. Like that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about you have your business, which generates <clears throat> cash, and then you would have <clears throat> stocks and or dividends, and maybe you're on a, have a board position or there's some advisory equity. Maybe you've written a book and there's some kind of royalties to that. Maybe you have affiliate income that's coming in or rental property or, right? Like think of all the ways that you can be generating a, like cash from the cash that you're already making. Do you ever have coaches who say, yeah, but I just want to do coaching? Yeah. I mean, cool. So like, I'm not here to, here's the thing, you know, coaching, I'm very present to how coaching again, using the word has been weaponized. Yeah. Right. Like everyone's now told that it's their mindset. (laughs) If you don't get a result, if you believe something that's opposite, listen, really scary stuff. Have you watched Nexium, the cult, the personal development cult? documentary nexium uh, oh my gosh ramon i'm going to send this to you please this is like the this is like coaching gone so bad like seriously they're not obviously certified but they're using like mindset type stuff that you might use in personal development and coaching but for really nefarious reasons like brainwashing like rotting people's brains out like we know, like NLP could be used for good and NLP could, we've seen it used for evil, right? <clears throat> so I'm not here to take any of your beliefs away from you. Like you can believe, I tell my, my clients all the time, you can, you can believe whatever you want to believe. As long as I can present an alternative perspective. And we can disagree and you cannot be ready, right? And and that's fine. But are you willing to consider a different perspective? And that's it. That's all I'm here to do is present a different perspective. And I get with like this money stuff that we're talking about, we're bumping up against a lot of stuff. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I got it too, right? Like we all have it. It's the intersectionality around money is, is so deep and the trauma and generational stories of like, these aren't just, these aren't just like beliefs that you have. These are beliefs that have been generations in your family. And it's like, yeah, no wonder why this is, you're having a hard time with this. Of course you would. You tried trying to coach somebody through 40 
years or a hundred years of, of family origin belief systems. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Can be a lot. There's, there's so many there are, there are. So, I mean, I'm just going back to some of the things that you've talked about here and thinking that the money side, I mean, compared to something like maybe a knowledge gap when it comes to generating leads, this idea of traffic, you know, the, the different leaks in the, in the process that can happen. But now we're talking about money. We're talking about beliefs. We're talking about ways of thinking, patterns that have ex- existed for a long time, what society might think of me, what my family and friends might think of me when I change these. But like, there's a lot of things. Who am I going to become? You um, know, what is it about me? Who am yeah. I? <laughs> right, right. And, and so interestingly enough, as someone who loves coaching, and I, I kind of think that this is a little, there's a little neuropsychology. I like to think that there's a little neuropsychology here for me when I do this is I actually, when it comes to money, <clears throat> I say, we're going to do math over mindset. So instead of getting into this like big, scary, nebulous, all the stories, dark place, right? Our brains don't like this very big abstracty type of thing. It, we can get super ungrounded. Um, I'm like, let's just, let's just do some math first. Let's just literally draw it out on a piece of paper, black and white, do the numbers. And then let's see if seeing that in black and white, seeing that math done for you, if that changes how you're looking at this, does it give you a perspective shift? If so, what was that insight? And what do we now need to discuss in relationship to this question? Love that. Love that. It's funny because, um, you know, Ramit Sete, who's like a very, I'm sure you've heard of him, right? He's, I will teach you to be rich. He's a very popular thought leader uh, on money. And he, he says, listen, we over-prioritize math and under-prioritize mindset in our psychology. And it's yes. And it's mm-hmm. yes. And for, especially for women, there's a real fear and a not knowing and a, and a, and like a mystery and an avoidance around the math, which causes like our brains don't super love the unknown. Right. Mm. So if we can just make it known, can we, can we downregulate a little bit to then address the mindset and the psychology? Mm. Just applying that idea to one of the things that I often hear uh, or have heard in the past, maybe not so much anymore, uh, working with slightly different people, but in the past is, you know, I'm going to aim for six figures because that's all I need. <laughs> and one of the things that I've done in the past is go through and actually suggest them, well, let's have a look at whether that is actually the case or not. And then use some examples of, okay, well, what happens like, uh, you know, you, you're approaching 60 for men. Um, prostate issues are a common health issue. Let's just say that, you know, you happen to get some sort of um, prostate issue which requires treatment and that the cost of that is going to be about $10,000. Have you factored that in? No. Making it really. This idea of, oh, well, that's all I need to live on and to have the type of life that I want to live. But is that actually true? When we go through and we do the figures, uh, what about, you know, one of your children, something happens to them mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they, they need, um, I don't know, to, to uh, get some special tutelage or, or something, you know, they need to attend a different school or have you yep. factored in? Uh, in Australia, like, for example, paying for, and, and I was saying in the United States as well, paying for university, paying yep. going and getting a degree, the cost of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you even factored in, you know, whether you might want to take some holidays from time to time? Yeah. <laughs> like, let's let's do the sums. <laughs> you want to yeah. take time, whatever it is. 
and let's actually put the, the sums down on paper and let's let's look at this realistically. Things cost a lot more than you think they do. <laughs> Hell of a lot more than we think they do. <laughs> so I actually have a tool, a free tool on my website. It's a revenue goal calculator. And so oh, you uh, can put all of your information into this calculator and there's like a little training that goes along with it. And then it reverse engine. So it'll tell you how much based on your expenses and the things you're considering and everything, how much you need to take home and pay. And then it reverse engineers and tells you what rev, what that equates to in revenue and how much you would need to put away for taxes and um, how much you would have for profit and how much you can pay a team or make investments into your business. It breaks it all out for you in that way. Because it is really important to see those things in a concrete way. Like mm. otherwise we're just, we're either overworking or we're underworking and we're not really, we're not really sure where we're supposed to, where we're supposed to land. And, and honestly, most of the time people are really overworking um, for, for what that would take. And I think it just, it puts some reality there. And, you know, in one of my programs, the first or my first goal for folks is $250,000 in revenue. We're going to teach you everything you need to get to $250,000 in revenue. And I've had some of these like um, internet marketer people be like, do you have limiting beliefs? Like, why is it $250,000? I'm like, no, I have math. Because when somebody reaches $250,000, they can pay themselves six figures. And like, let's at least get you to 250,000. And then once you have that figured out, you could do 500, you can do a million, you could do whatever you want. You'll have the business foundations to do it, but let's like bring it in a little bit. And, and again, I think we have, I think like a lot of this, I'm for big, I'm for vision and I'm for like dreaming big, but then there's a real skill in then pulling that back in actually getting the steps down, because I think that most people go to dream big and you're going to correct me with your neuroscience. Cause I, I think this <laughs> is a concept. Their amygdalas freak out. Yeah. And then they lose the ability to actually break things down into the small steps. It's like the brain panics with these really enormous dreams and goals. So like, I love to vision big and then like, okay, bring it, walk it back. So if that's the vision, then what needs to happen Yeah, five years from now, three years from now, one year from now, um, for sure. I think, or else people, so I see people like, like, like these trite messages on, on like Instagram, right? Dream big. And it's like, yeah, until your amygdala freaks out and nothing actually happens and you're paralyzed. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love this idea that first of all, you've separated business revenue to 50. Now you can generate an income or you pay yourself six figures. They're two separate things. Coaches, you've got to stop taking the revenue and then paying yourself whatever the revenue was for that month. You have yeah. a business entity and you have your personal income. Yes. And once you get that six figures of personal income where every month you get paid the same amount, you will absolutely feel more secure. You'll, have, you'll feel more secure. You'll feel more safe. And, in fact, there's even studies to show that it's around the six-figure mark. Uh, that money is correlated with quote unquote yes. happy. happiness. Yep, you're right. Beyond, beyond that six figures, there's no there's no increase in happiness, contentment, peace, and everything else. So why not get to a place where you feel some comfort, you've got some security, you feel some safety, and then from there you can launch off into all these other different directions if you want. But I can I can absolutely say from experience myself and with working with people as well, once you get to that point where you're no longer stressed out financially mm-hmm. and you're not worried about getting the next clients and everything else, the creativity. Well, you the can clients start come creating. easier. Clients come easier. Like you don't have to worry about, you know, oh God, where's the next client coming from? Because I need the money to pay these bills this month. Moving away from that place is 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 liberating. It, it, it's, it's freeing. It's 
So I love that idea. Let's get you to 250 revenue. You can pay yourself six figures. And then you can start thinking about whatever the, the next thing is. All right. What comes next? You know, it's really funny. Uh, Brene Brown, she says the opposite of scarcity is not abundance. It's enough. Mm. And I really struggled with that at first because, you know, I was the big abundance girl for a while just because I had a hard time acknowledging that I wanted financial abundance. So I would make it about abundance in quotes, abundance and be like, oh, I'm so abundant in my health and I'm so abundant in my, in my relationships. And I'm so, but like, I wanted financial abundance, right? But I wouldn't call it that because I was so uncomfortable with it. So when she said that, I was like, no, you're wrong. We all want abundance, right? It was an abundance junkie. But then I was like, no, she's right enough. Like when you have enough, your, your entire system just calms. Calms. Right? Like, and, and then you're like, oh, now I can have more than enough because I have enough. Creating more than enough from enough is just like a blip. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I came across this, uh, I think it was on Instagram, this little clip of a couple of people in the, in the, in the radio studio interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger. And they said, you know, everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants to make money. Uh, well, what are your thoughts around this? He said, oh, the first million is the hardest to make. So start with the second million. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> true, though. But it's, it's kind of like a little bit like that idea of, okay, look, once you get to that place where you have enough, it's, uh, what's the feeling? It's freedom. It is freedom. It's, you it's feel so freedom. much more calm and relaxed about yeah. business. Yeah. Because so this, this calculator that I have, I use it all the time in my business. And I'll just give an example. At the end of last year, I was like, I was going to stop working. I needed to stop working one-on-one -on -one with clients for a little bit. I was getting a little crispy. Mm. That happens coaches. It's okay. Like you can take a break, right. But you want to be able to take the break. So I was like, what do I need to do in my business in order to take a break or to shift this direction a little bit? I was about to cut off multiple six figures in revenue, a lot of money. So I was like, all right, how do I do this? And I just, I went back to the calculator and I'm like, here's what my lifestyle costs me. And, and, and not bare basics. Like this is how much I need to continue putting in my retirement. This is how much I need to save for my children's college education. This is how much we need for, for these things. And of course I have a partner who's also contributing. So that makes things a little easier, but I was able to really get that down to like the basics and then look at what that revenue would be. And I was like, Oh, this is fine. Like, I'm fine. Like I can take a break. I don't have to continue to push myself. Mm -hmm. And then thankfully I did that because um, a month later I was diagnosed with Lyme's disease that I've kind of had a little trouble kicking. Um, it was a little resistant. I think it's been around for a while. Then I got COVID. Mm -hmm. Then I got long haul COVID, which then activated my Epstein bar. So for four, the last four months, I've been wiped. Like I've been barely able to pick my head up off of a pillow, but this calculator tells me I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And guys, we've got to, we don't necessarily need to plan for things so specifically, but we need to plan for things to happen. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. And the other part of that was also, oh, I already have cash generating assets that are working for me in the background where I don't have to be earning all of this income. If I can't, don't want to want to shift my business around, it gives me a lot of flexibility. Uh, the tool, is this on the Bold Leadership Revolution website? Yes, the boldleadershiprevolution.com forward slash revenue. Revenue. All right, we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. Final thoughts for listeners? Final thoughts for listeners. I, 
I want everyone to know that I believe in the power of coaching and the value that they're going to bring, that they're bringing to the world, right? And that they deserve to be compensated for that value. They deserve to be compensated for the results that they get their clients and the transformations that they help co-create and the growth that they facilitate. It may come really easy to some of them and they may love it and it may be their passion and they, it might be like their dream job and it might be easy, but that doesn't mean it's not valuable to somebody and that it's worth more than you probably think it is. Love that. Yeah. Thank you very much for being on the show. It's been- Thanks for having me. Time has flown by. (laughs) I could easily have kept going for another hour. (laughs) I know, me too. (laughs) That's been great. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and then head over to brainfirsttraininginstitute.com to join our community of coaches. And for resources and products to help you upgrade your brain in life, including interviews with leading neuroscientists and health and high-performance experts, go to mybrainfirst.com. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.